el primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at The Sam D Podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. Remember when Nick fans were parading outside the garden on Ape Street, bugging out, wilding out, happy that they were relevant, happy that they had what they felt was the best Nick team in about a decade? Remember? It was only a short few weeks ago. They were talking playoffs. They were hyped up about their future. They had an all-star. Role players were ascending. I heard Tibbs coach of the year talk. I heard the Mavs are going to give us a lottery pick, which will just further the development of this Nick train that is building. Well, since those short few weeks, (laughs) let's make it a month. Knicks were rolling beginning of February, Black History Month. It was all popping for the Mecca. Mavs were in trouble. They were hurt. There was Porzingis trade talk, all of that. But if you take a quick look at the standings now, the Knicks are under 500. Yeah, no buy game, but it's still under 500. Hanging on to the eighth seed. And if you look over at the Western Conference standings, <laughs> the Mavericks have been hot. The Mavericks have been rolling. The Mavericks are also the eighth seed. So bye-bye that magical, mystical, magical lottery pick that Knicks tape, that Knicks fans were clamoring for, were hoping for, were praying for. And who is solely responsible for causing Knicks fans, Knicks tape, to lose their dream of a mystical, magical lottery pick from the Dallas Mavericks? Latvian world star. <laughs> Yeah, the fucking guy they traded to the Mavs. The guy they sent, the 7-3 unicorn with all-star type potential that they sent to the Mavs because they couldn't handle his older brother. I mean, let, let's just keep that a buck. They The Knicks traded Latvian world star, Chris Stapps Porzingis, the unicorn, because they couldn't handle or they did not want to handle his older brother who was moving very... Mav Carter, LeBron-like when it came to Chris Stops. So, let's run down the numbers. <laughs> I didn't mean to start the pod this way, Nick fans, but, you know, after last night and after me quietly surveying uh, the Mavericks over the last few weeks here to make this full month run, I had to do it. 
So since the beginning of February, when the Mavs and the rumor mill and the blue check boys were out here floating the idea that the Mavericks were seriously considering jettisoning the Latvian world star Kristaps Porzingis in the trade. Since then, <laughs> the Mavericks are 13 and 6. And of that 13 and 6, they are specifically 11 and 4 with Porzingis in the lineup. <laughs> I mean, mixtape fans were out here talking about, yo, dog, lottery pick two? Julius? Frank? RJ? And a lottery pick? And Tibbs? And Steve Stout? Now, <laughs> they're under 500. The Mavs are hot. They're looking like the team we all thought they were going to be. Now that they're, guess what? Healthy. <laughs> oh, man. But and how come I don't see no no videos anymore of, you know, Knicks fans hanging outside the garden no more? I thought there was I thought there was some I thought that was going to be like a thing where after every Knicks win at the Mecca, there was going to be like a pep rally outside the Mecca. Like I thought on 8th Ave, there's going to be nothing but pep rallies after every Knicks home win. What happened? I thought that was going to be a thing. I mean, that video of them parading up and down 8th Avenue, that's the second best video I've ever seen post-Nick game outside the Mecca. What's the first? What's the best video I've seen outside of a Nick game outside the Mecca? Ever? Ever. Oof, man, I want to tell y'all that video. That that might have to be a bonus that might have to be a Patreon type of did that might have to be that that has to be kept low. That has to be exclusive because that that video is nuts. <laughs> when I show you, <laughs> I've only shown a privileged few and they have all had the same reaction that they've never seen anything like it. And there's a video and there might be some of you even listening who may know what I'm talking about. But the vast majority of you don't. There's a video of a post-game interaction happening outside the Mecca after a Nick game. That's, yeah, <laughs> it's legendary. Uh, but yes, I would love to see more prep rallies. I mean, what better look for a professional organization like the New York Knicks than having pep rallies outside the Mecca after home wins? I mean, that's exactly the type of uh, professionalism and knowledge and passion that you would want from the world's most famous arena like that that's exactly like the type of fan base you would want right yeah so Nick's tape i mean you may not get that lottery pick but i mean at least you got rid of chris Stapp's brother right and you got mitch rob right and obi i mean he was in the dunk contest right so at least he was at all-star weekend i mean i don't know if he's actually ever going to go back to I mean, mm. did you hit a board man? No, like legitimately. Did you hear the board man? He said a thing. He said a thing and he said that he is, quote, very concerned, end quote, at the old English font, inconsistent play. Made it very short and sweet when asked about the team's play. Very concerned, inconsistent from the board man. 
So he said that after they got blown out by the Pels, right? And that was leading up to a quasi home and home with the Mavs. The aforementioned 13-6 since February Dallas Mavericks. So Old English Font goes out there and takes care of business. First game, the front end of the quasi home and home with the Dallas Mavs. Blow them out, actually. Luka had a horrible shooting night. Still got a triple dub. But it was basically just him, Porzingis, and Tim Hardaway scoring all the points, right? So not a good scenario if you're Dallas and you're trying to get a dub against a team that's allegedly as good as the Clippers make us think that they are. But last night, though, <laughs> last night, man, the Mavs, the Mavs put the boots, <laughs> they put the boots, the beats, the Tims, the lugs, the Doc Martens, they put all them shits to the old English font last night. And this is why you can't depend on the old English font. It's not that they're inconsistent and all this type of stuff that the boardman is now having to answer for. It's because they're really not that good. Like, can we all come to that conclusion? Can we all agree and not agree to disagree, but like actually lock in and firmly agree that the Clippers, the whole they're a championship contender thing. I mean, who would you have them beating if they even get out the West? <laughs> I mean, this is assuming they can get out the West. If they can, let's say for, let, let's play the hypothetical game. Walk with me. Clippers, let's say the final four, Western Conference semis. Let's put Denver in there. Let's put Lake Show in there. Old English font in there. And let's do Utah. Let's let's assume it's chalk all the way through, right? Top four teams. Top four teams are in the Western Conference semis. Let's say for whatever reason, Lake Show falls, right? Maybe AD is still out. Some in LeBron can't pull a miracle out of a hat. Let's say the Lake Show falls. Denver, Utah. Would you favor the Old English font against any of those two teams? Like, Jokic, they're telling me, is playing at an MVP level. Although, he looks similar to how he did last year, except he lost some weight. But, they're telling me, Jokic is playing at an MVP level. Jamal Murray has battled injuries, but now he's looking to be like the Jamal Murray that was in the bubble. They have Michael Porter Jr., fresh off the Rona. He's hooping. And he's vowing to never stand in the corner on a 401 fast break when the team is down two with seconds left. He's vowing to never do that again. That team can't beat the old English font. That's literally just two dudes. For all the talk of the Lake Show being two dudes, at least your third is Dennis Schroeder. Who's the old English font's third? Pat Bev? Serge, Lou Will, Morris Twin, is that what we doing? If you want to go Utah, Stifle Tower, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Ingles, poor man's Luca, Bogdanovich, Clippers, gonna beat that? You sure? I mean, I don't know, bruh. 
you know, last year it was supposed to be LALA, and I mean, one LA team made it. The other one, eh, I don't know what happened. I mean, 3 1 Lee blew it. I don't know. When is it going to sink in that the Clippers are? I don't. I don't know if I want to call them paper champions because I mean they can't even get to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, paper champions is not the word. I mean, I don't want to use the F word because the F word now belongs in Phoenix. But I mean, I man, can I use another F word? Fugazi. Shout out to Tim Thomas. I I don't know. I think the old English font is Fugazi. They're looking shaky in the light. They have routinely, you know, this whole load managing thing with Kawhi. Here's a stat. And, you know, there's a lot of talk of AD and how AD misses a lot of games and he's hurt again and yada, yada, yada. I mean, and this is up to last weekend. So the numbers may be a little skewed by now. Through last weekend, did you know Kawhi and PG have missed more games than Anthony Davis? But all I hear about is AD's fragile. He's hurt all the time. Can't depend on him. Can't lean on him. Meanwhile, Boardman and Pandemic P have missed more games than him. But I don't hear that rep. I mean, how many years removed is Kawhi, is the Boardman from that surgery? I understand that Raptor year, they had a low manage, and it worked perfectly. Last year, okay, first year of a, it's not even a long-term investment, but first year of a a significant investment. You want to be careful, treat them with kid gloves. Okay. It's season three. (laughs) It's season three since all the medical stuff. And we're still load managing Kawhi? Remember, I told you that knee is degenerative, which means it ain't no getting better, bruh. But the blue check boys are being real quiet about that. But anyway, and Pandemic P, who keeps having surgery after surgery, seemingly every offseason, no one ever questions his fragility. I mean, maybe in Indiana. But outside of that, I don't really hear too much about pandemic p and fragility interesting is all i'm saying this clipper thing i mean tyloo's trying he's talking tough talk he's he's made some rotation adjustments offensively that it's still the same which is what doc rivers said in the offseason you know with pg making that tour hitting up all the smoke and and claiming like the offense was going to be so different and if you watch them playing i see the same sets (laughs) I see the same sets. I see the same tendencies in terms of when 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 the shot clock is running down, what what's the quick play to get a shot off? Like I see all the same stuff. So yeah. Keep believing in that old English fun if you want to, but they've given you no reason to do so. And continuing with the whole thing of who's fragile and who's not, Embiid goes down. It looked to be an AD thing, an AD type of injury, but it's not as serious as the AD injury. Is this a result of the quick turnaround? There's a lot of leg injuries that are happening for marquee players. Is it because of this abbreviated season that had to start 
you know, if you played in the finals, like AD and the Lakers obviously were in the finals. They only had 70 days before the season began. I mean, what's in beat excuse, though? Well, they got swept, right? Uh, all right. Well, he don't got the same excuse. And, like, KD's hurt. His legs are giving him issues after seemingly looking, you know, almost 90% back to being old KD. Some people even jumped out the window and said, this is the best KD. Like, this is now a better KD. He hasn't hooped in about roughly two, two and a half years. So he got the leg injury. So Embiid, leg injury, he got swept. KD, leg injuries, he hasn't really hooped in about two, two and a half years. AD, leg injury, 70 days. But again, he's fragile, though. And speaking of KD, I would like to figure out who do you give more credit to for this Brooklyn thing now? In terms of the orchestrating of it in the in the building of this roster. Because you've heard me say here on this podcast how I think KD is taking the LeBron player empowerment thing and turning it on its heels because he's making it more AAU style. Where I just want to get with the best hoopers and run. I just want to hoop, hoop with the best, run, get these chips off. That old school shit of being the lone wolf and building it and and having to go through all the wars and losing all these series just to build this acumen up. The hell with all that shit. Give me the best hoopers like an AAU. Give me the best hoopers I could find and let's go run. Let's go hoop and try to get some chips. And he ran with the Warriors, got those two chips, almost had a third. And now he's running with his mans, Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan. And then he went and recruited. You know, there was some tampering going on. We can't prove it, but you know, there was some tampering going on. Went and grabbed his mans, the beard. And now DeAndre goes and grabs his former mans, the Kia jumper. But if you let the origin of this story be played out, allegedly this was a DeAndre thought bubble. Much like allegedly it was a D-Wade thought bubble in the Olympics all those years ago with him, Braun, and Bosch. So are we giving KD too much credit for this or should it be DeAndre? Because the Kia jumper to Brooklyn had a lot more to do, I think, with DeAndre than KD. I mean, obviously everyone wants to hoop at KD because he's so cold, but in regards to comfort hooping with someone that knows your game knows your ability i mean it's got to be deandre right so if deandre is the puppet master how come he's not getting the credit have you heard anyone give deandre the props or it's all well this is all kd kd's out here willing to dealing i it might be a combination thing i don't know but i think a, a lion's share the credit is going to kd and I'm wondering if you're DeAndre, do you feel a way? I mean, remember, this man was held hostage by the Mavericks all them years ago. Like he saw power empowerment be took away from him because a team refused to let him leave a house just so he wouldn't go back to Fraud City. So DeAndre, you know, has to feel a way. 
Then it got shipped to the Knicks. I mean, it was it was rough. He's now taking the power back by wheeling and dealing. I'm going to tell my man's KD and Kyrie to pull up. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them in the tuck. Then once I'm going to have KD reach out to his man's the beard, see if we can get the beard. Now we got the beard word. Oh, yo, my old man's Blake. He wants to get up out of Dodge word come through. I mean, DeAndre, this is payback for that Mavericks shit. If the Mavericks didn't hold him hostage, I don't think we get this Nets thing. The Eastern Conference race is going to be crazy and a lot of narratives are going to have to be taken back depending on seating. And I know TNT had this stat, but I think this stat's very telling. And it's in regards to the Celtics. Celtics are two and six. <laughs> Celtics are two and six when Tatum and Brown score 25 plus points. Can you imagine? Your two best players. They score a lot of points. You lose. If you're the boy genius, how do you figure that out? For some of y'all who heard the bonus content that I put out last week when I was on my boy Greg Larnard's show on 105 One The Zone, I mentioned how Kemba was a beast and Charlotte scoring all the points. Then he goes to Boston. He's a third option. And he's looking a little shaky in the light in terms of, well, how good is he really? You could get buckets when you're getting the rock every time down and you're the number one option. You could come down and you're getting all the screens, all the picks, all the pin downs, all the curls. But what happens when you might not get a shot for four or five possessions? If you're a rhythm guy like Kemba clearly is and has been his whole career, going back to Yukon, even going back to Uptown, to the boogie down, all of that. Like, we know what Kemba is. Like, we've seen those movies enough to be like, oh, okay, this is just how Sun Hoops. So you got Tatum and Brown getting 25 plus in your two and six? That tells me Kemba's not getting off. And that tells me the boy genius hasn't figured out a way to get Kemba off. Pause. And if he can't get Kemba in rhythm to be able to get enough shots up to be Kemba, to be cardiac Kemba, to be that ultimate closer. I mean, next to Dame and maybe Steph, if he's like in raging inferno hot, is there any other guard that's more clutch or that has shown the propensity to be clutch? Dame, Steph, when he's a raging inferno hot, I think it's Kemba next that I can think of off top. So you need that weapon. But when that weapon is your third option and you and he's not getting the rock, but every four to five to six possessions, that's a hard formula. That's a very hard formula to keep Kemba being Kemba when he ain't getting the touches. And that's why you don't trade for him in the first place, even if you don't want to pay Scary Terry. Even if you refuse to pay Scary Terry, you don't say, well, I want to get something for him. All right, I'll take basically the same dude back in return with a better resume. Cause that's essentially what the scam them day uh, did. But if you look at these standings, man, well, we got the Hawks. The Hawks have become hot all of a sudden after firing Lloyd Pierce. And people are using that to say, Hey, look now they're winning. See, 
It was Lloyd Pierce. Do yourself a favor. Go look at the teams that they've beat. And they fired him, which is what teams do, especially in the NFL and, and baseball as well. They fired him when they were entering the softest part of their schedule because they wanted the new coach, Nate McMillan, or whoever was going to take over the job to get off to a running start. Oh, and guess what? They're getting healthy, too. Now Gallinari's back. No shit they're running off wins now. They're playing Cleveland, Orlando, the Kings. I mean, come on. They should. They, they really don't need any coach to beat those teams. Just throw the ball up at half and let's get it popping. Like, they don't need a coach to win those games. But, you know, they won like six in a row. And see, this means Lloyd Pierce is not. Yeah, whatever, bro. But, yeah, the Hawks are in the mix now because of getting wins in their softest part of the schedule. So, now they're a seventh seed. The Hornets with LaMelo, a five seed. And here's the thing, if you're the Warriors, if you're not going to start Weissman, then why the hell did you draft him? And your man's Jalen came out there with the alleged source saying that LaMelo was told that he was going to be drafted by the Warriors, that the Dubs were indeed going to take him. And it made all the sense to all of us. I mean, I tweeted it on draft night. As soon as the report of Clay went down, as soon as those reports came out, I was like, oh, then, yeah, yeah, the Dubs are definitely taking LaMelo. Like, there's no question. Like, they need that. Because then you could slide Steph over to the Clay role and let LaMelo be the point. But no, they went and took Weissman. Steph doesn't know how to play with a big. None of those guys know how to play with a big that can actually be an option on offense. Like, because during that Steph run, during the Warriors run, who was the big that got buckets? Bogut? Looney? Who was the big? So they don't know how to play. That system doesn't really work with a big. So that's why it was always an interesting pick to me. Like, well, all right, you're going to take the big, the defensive potential rim running big. All right, cool. And you've seen him play well with Draymond because Draymond knows how to work that two-man game. As I've talked about here, like he's just basically running the same plays that he used to run with Iguodala. They used to have a little pick that they would set for each other and screen and roll type thing, dive to the basket, all of that. He just He's just doing that with Weissman. So he knows how to play but he only knows how to play that type of game with a big. But in terms of Steph and these other dudes, I mean, you saw Wiggins play a bit called Anthony Towns. That didn't look smooth. Now, granted, Weissman doesn't want the ball as much as Call Anthony Towns, but I mean, same deal, doesn't know how to play with a big. So you have a bunch of dudes who like to run up and down and gun it from three-point range. Now you're trying to force them to play with a big and like more of an old-school big. Interesting pick. When you had LaMelo, who has gone out here and is shooting from damn near the logo, is out here crashing boards, is out here getting dimes, is out here playing the pass the lanes, getting steals, and just being infectious with this attitude of playing ball. And we're going to have to have that conversation of how popular he can be. Like he's got to be on the cover of 2K next year, right? LaMelo's got to be on the cover. I mean, if you're going to gift wrap the cover to Zion this year, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to give it to someone who's actually going to earn the cover in LaMelo next year. But we'll see. Whoever Adam Silver wants on the cover will be on the cover. But when you look at that, that whole scenario of 
LaMelo allegedly being told he was going to be picked. If you're the Warriors, would you do that now? Do they have regrets? Now, remember, the Warriors were telling everyone when the whole Steph and Clay thing was a machine and the Splash Brothers was becoming a phenomenon that they were going to revolutionize basketball, that they were forward thinking. They were tech heavy. They were using all this tech money and tech knowledge to advance the game of basketball. Again, their landmark analytics ended up just being our threes are better than your twos. All that tech money, all that Semi Valley, Palo Alto, all that stuff really just came down to one mathematical equation. Our threes are better than your twos. If we have two, then turn into three of the best shooters of all time on our team. So their threes are better than your twos. That was the landmark achievement that was figured out by all the analytics nerds out there in the Bay. So then why would they take a seven-foot defensive rim-running center right when one of those best shooters of all time type players goes down playing pickup? And there's another guy who plays in a very similar fashion to two of the three of those best shooters of all time sitting there with the second overall pick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just forgot to throw that out there. But anywho, the Hornets are a five seed. <laughs> so LaMelo has taken a, a team that has been routinely, if they ever make the playoffs, a seven or an eight seed. And now they're a five seed. And here's my question. I, I brought this up on Greg Larner's show. LaMelo fell to the third pick when he, in my opinion, should have been the, the number one pick. Who's his owner again? Oh, the same dude that also should have been the number one overall pick, but fell to the third pick. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. His impact is going to be huge in this game. How do you build around him, though? You're going to need some rim runners. Is P.J. Washington that? It ain't Bismack. I fucks with the Mac, but it ain't Bismack. Cody Zeller. I mean, look what LaMelo is doing here. Yes, he has Gordon Hayward, former All-Star. Scary Terry Rozier, got a bag, playing like similar to how Kimball was when he was in Charlotte, except way less shots. <laughs> Devontae Graham, you know, solid player, but he got the most improved player or something last year. And you got guys like Malik Muck, who's healthy now, contributing off the bench. How do you build? How does MJ go about building a team around LaMelo? And how quickly will he realize that's the play? Gordon Hayward is a placeholder. He's not the future of that franchise. The future of that franchise is LaMelo. How soon, if you're MJ, do you start to build that roster around his strengths and try to cover up his weaknesses. How do you do that? It will be interesting to see if they actually do do that or if they try to force a Gordon Hayward LaMelo thing. Gordon Hayward is the here and now, as in the next year or two. But by year three, them keys better be handed over to LaMelo. Y'all know I don't like 
MVP stuff or like the cliche sports podcast, sports radio, sports TV topics. But uh, your man overworked and overpaid now hiding behind a paywall. Fraud A. Smith said that he has Kyrie over Jokic for MVP. So that was the first thing. Now the Miami Heat are hot. They've won like 10 of 11. They've jumped into the four seed, which I said they can probably get to if Jimmy keeps playing the way he's playing. So now they are currently the four seed in the East. Now there's a influx of Jimmy for MVP. <laughs> Mans comes back and has a hot two to three weeks. Now all of a sudden he's in the MVP conversation. And I'll ask this again. Why is there no love for Donovan Mitchell for MVP? He's the best player on the team with the best record. History has shown more times than not, unless there's some sort of statistical anomaly that stands out where you just have to give the award to someone else. More times than not, the MVP award is given out to the best player on the team with the best record. And here's Donovan Mitchell, the best player, on the team with the best record, and I have not heard word one about him being in the MVP conversation. We're giving it to Jokic. We're giving it to Kyrie. We're giving it to Braun. We're giving it to the Beard. We're giving it to everyone. We're giving it to Embiid. We're giving it to everyone. Everyone's an MVP candidate except the best player on the team with the best record in the NBA. I may have to put up, I had I had a really good back and forth with Greg Greg Lawner a few weeks ago. That might be the bonus content I'll get this week. And that was a real good conversation because it was the whole MVP thing. And how come, and I was arguing similar to what I'm saying now, like how come he's not even being considered? I'm not saying he's the MVP, but I'm saying at least in years, in years prior, I mean, Giannis essentially got the last two MVPs because of the Bucks record, right? I mean, yeah, the numbers are video game numbers, but it's also because the Bucks played so well. Donovan Mitchell is playing lights out and the Jazz are putting up crazy W's and no one's saying anything. I personally think that's fucked up. He should be in the mix. So I'll put up a conversation I had with Greg Leonard a few weeks ago about that. That'll be the bonus content I'll get this week. But yeah, it's just weird, man. It's just when the industry allows people like the overworked and underpaid now hiding behind the paywall do like that. You know, Paul Pierce said that that dumb shit this week. I mean, just not being cognizant of what game he's watching and who won the game. It's just it's embarrassing the platforms that are just being force fed to former players and, and former journalists who think they have an opinion. It's just asinine. It's really just an asinine thing. And it's the sad state of the industry. And there's a lot deeper to that. Don't have the time for that today. Hopefully I'll have some people on here soon where we can get into that type of thing and really do a deep dive. But I'm telling you, it goes deeper. Pause. Fandom is a mental illness exhibit 1,575,610. Bears were linked to Russell Wilson via trade. Bears offered three first round picks. I think a third and offered a list for the Seahawks to choose of two prime starters 
allegedly Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks were both on that list. They're top two defensive players. You can make a case for everyone, Jackson, but top two players in terms of name and standing around the league were on that list. Bears fans were excited. They tried to temper their emotions, tried to stymie their emotions early, but as those reports came out, it's like, ooh, that's a legit offer on the table. Only for Pete Carroll to say, nah, <laughs> nah, I'm good, love and joy. I'm good. Y'all stay over there. We going to keep this MVP candidate, seemingly annual MVP candidate. We going to keep him over here. So what do the Bears do? What does the former Monsters of the Midway, what does the team that in my entire lifetime, my entire existence on earth has never had a top five QB, what do they turn around and do? Sign Andy Dalton. <laughs> and y'all wonder why. Y'all wonder why. Imagine, imagine if I was a fan of that team still. Do you know the pain I would have to walk around with? Just the pain, the pain of looking in my closet and seeing merch from that organization. Do you know the pain? Yo, I can't believe I did that to myself. I don't know how some of y'all still do it. I'm, I've completely turned to 180. I used to be one of those fans that was like, yo, that, that bandwagon shit or that showing up or only rooting for winners shit. That was whack. That was trash. You got to be a real fan. You got to ride and die with your team and all that type of rhetoric. Bruh, when, when I saw the light, <laughs> when I saw the light, it was an epiphany. It was it was a, it was a revelation. It was all of that shit, bro. I'm like, oh, no, that's the that's actually the wave. I would only root for winners because winners make you feel good because you want to feel like a winner who wants to feel like a loser who wants to ride for a loser who wants to root for a loser who wants to wear merch of a loser. I mean, if y'all can still stomach it, God bless. So Myers Leonard is no longer a heat. He is still employed. He is still in the league. He is a OKC Thunder. Uh, Sam Presti has already said he will not play for them. Uh, They facilitated a trade with the Heat to acquire Leonard, mainly because his contract is expiring and Presti is pulling a hinky and tanking the hell out of the thunder right now. But focusing on the Heat, so the Heat came under fire. The Heat had to deal with the controversy. The Heat acted swiftly in releasing a statement, but they did hang on to Myers Leonard. They did not fall into the outcry of release him, cut him, jettison him. No, they decided to hang on to him and to use what little value he had left in terms of that expiring contract to try to facilitate a trade to get something for him. And that has come under fire. So the Miami Heat, if you did not know, they are owned by a Jewish man who is very prominent. Family goes back to Israel. And obviously, if you don't know, Florida, Miami has a heavy Jewish presence. So the fact that a team, an NBA team owned by a Jewish man in a city that has a strong Jewish presence held on to a player that dropped the N-word version, (laughs) that dropped a, a Jewish slur 
that's akin to the N-word, that they held on to him long enough that they flipped him for Trevor Reza? I mean, there's got to be more than that, man. <laughs> there's got to be more than so Trevor Reza. Like, there, there was some talk that maybe they're going to try to use Myers Leonard in a trade for Bradley Bill because they need money to make the contracts work and all that type of stuff. Like, if if that would have been the end game, like, like if you told me, look, we're going to withstand the heat, pun intended, we're going to withstand the controversy and deal with Myers Leonard because we're trying to get Bradley Beal. And ultimately, you end up getting Bradley Beal in that trade because of Myers Leonard's contract. Still kind of shitty. Still kind of sus. But at least the end game is, OK, you're getting an all star. You took on that controversy. You took all that slander. You took all the public outcry. And you held on to Sun for a week? Paid him for another week? And all you got back was some Trevor Ariza? I don't know, man. <laughs> That's, it's got, I mean, yeah, you get something, I guess. I mean, but don't you got Eagle Dollar? Ain't Ariza and Eagle Dollar more or less the same thing? What, is he supposed to replace Boss Man? I guess a reason supposed to replace Bossman 99 since he bounced. That's just weird. I don't know. I don't know. The the Heat, uh, Mickey Arison, that whole thing, they, they, I don't know, man. I know they tried to make the best of a bad situation, but I don't know how Jettison Myers Leonard and doing the whole PR stuff of we, we're going to help him, you know, get educated and da, 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 all that type of shit. And then you don't cut him. You keep him. And then the only thing you get for him is some Trevor Ariza? Bruh, I don't know, man. They, they they got some explaining to do and explaining to their own community. So Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, we talked about Russell Wilson and him wanting maybe kind of sort of wanting a trade and the Bears tricking that off. Deshaun Watson, another QB who wants to trade, another QB who does not want to be where he is currently. Even though he just signed a more or less a max deal one offseason ago, he wants out, does not want to be in H-Town no more. Well, now, wouldn't you know it? With no leverage, the Houston Texans have no leverage, right? Deshaun Watson wants out. Everyone feels for Watson Unless you're you're just a fan and we know how I feel about fans it's a mental illness. So you feel for Deshaun Watson, right? Because, you know, he's this good and he's this good this early. He's this elite this early and he's going to waste his prime elite years with the Houston Texans. Who let J.J. Watt get his walking papers. J.J. Watt, they could have traded him, but they didn't. They let him walk. And sure, you could give me the rhetoric, oh, he's too young. You can't just let Deshaun walk in. Okay, yeah, but you have set a precedent that if a franchise player decides he's ready to move on, you will let him walk. You will acquiesce and give him his walking papers. Now, we know that's not going to happen with Deshaun Watson. So the Texans have gotten all the bad PR. They have tried everything to convince Deshaun Watson to stay and reconsider. They hired a black coach. They've tried to accommodate him in terms of promising him that they're going to be active in free agency and the draft and, you know, doing all these things to try to re- make him reconsider. 
but they have no leverage until now. How convenient that Deshaun Watson, whose image has been squeaky clean, he is a spokesman for the league. He is an ambassador for black quarterbacks. This down to third. It's Mahomes, then it's Watson. Even though Dak got the bag, in terms of black QBs, it's probably, oof, no, Lamar's in there, right? Mm, that's a good question. And I know that this may be a, a topic that's segregated to a certain part of my audience. But if you're riding for a black QB, who are you riding with? Who do you who do you identify more with? Lamar, Patrick or Deshaun? Because those are very three different personality traits going on there. I don't have the time today to break down those personality traits. But if you know, you know. Those are three different types of dudes. So who do you identify more with? Lamar, Patrick, or Deshaun? Hit me up with that. Anyway, so Deshaun's image, as I said, is squeaky clean. You know, Dabo came out, said he's going to be the Michael Jordan of football, all this type of stuff. So he came in with high praise. And he's lived up to that with his play and the fact that he's been chilling off the field. Well, what did you know it? The team with no leverage, the team that has seemed to be bottoming out, the team that seems to be jettisoning franchise players year after year after year, except for Deshaun. They want to hang on to him because he plays the most valuable position in all of sports, allegedly. Now we have Deshaun Watson getting not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, but nine. Alleged instances of varying degrees of sexual misconduct and assault out of nowhere. Now, 2021, he been in H-Town how long? He got the max last offseason? Now, when he wants out? Now, they coming for him? Interesting. Now, look, if he did this, if it's proven that he did this, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, he should face whatever consequences that should be lobbied upon him. But isn't it curious that now all this stuff is coming out? And then when you add on to the fact that one of the lawyers involved in this case, the most um, loud lawyer, especially on social media, is the neighbor of the CEO of the team? who that CEO shares the same last name as the former ownership group? Ah, shaking the light. It's a little shaking the light. You can't tell me. It's hard for me. I mean, it's like you can't tell me because it, it could potentially be true. Again, all of this is alleged. Deshaun Watson, squeaky clean image for the most part that we know of anyway has played well, has played above and beyond what was, or, well, probably up to some people's level, but above and beyond what the most draft Knicks thought of. Got the bag, got the extension. Is easily a top five QB. You could even put him higher. And now all of a sudden all this is coming out? Now, because he wants out, doesn't want to be doesn't want to be on a rebuilding team. He wants to win. He wants to capitalize. I mean, look, you see what Mahomes and 
And Lamar's been able to do, even though Lamar doesn't have a chip, but Lamar's had multiple playoff runs already. I mean, they're all in the same conference. You know Deshaun wants some of that. Deshaun thinks he's right there with those dudes, if not better. So he wants some of that. And when your team in two back-to-back off-seasons gets rid of D-Hop, gets rid of Nook and J.J. Watt, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Oh, you just want me and just like 52 other dudes. Nah, it can't be that. I'm too good for it to be that. So now that he wants out, now all of a sudden here comes all these allegations. First, it was just the one. It was just the one allegation. And then all of a sudden, it was like an avalanche of like eight others. I mean, they're going to try to make this thing look like a Cosby thing where they just these women keep coming out the woodwork. And I'm not saying he didn't do it, but the timing is very peculiar. And the fact that the lawyer is neighbors with the CEO of the team that Deshaun Watson is trying to get away from, is trying to force a trade out of. And that CEO just happens to be related. The actual son of the former owner. It just seems a little suspect. The timing, everything just seems to be a little suspect. We'll keep an eye on that. And lastly, let's get into some money talk. Yo, the NFL, man. <laughs> I talked about last week how the NFL players, uh, there's some low-key dissension amongst the ranks in regards to their union and Demar Smith and the fact that he had anti-union lawyers negotiating on behalf of the players' union against the owners in their last CBA. And man, when you see this TV money that just got dropped, it's, it's, I, I don't know how the players don't revolt. I really don't. The NFL gets more TV money. And, and remember, all the ratings talk. Ratings are down, this percentage and whatever, whatever. Bruh, it's all about that stream. Them streaming numbers are crazy. Trust me, as someone who is inside, them streaming numbers are nuts. And that's what all these networks are, you know, jockeying for and positioning for is to get in line to get them streams. What's the value of a stream again? Did we ever get an answer on that? Mm. Anyway, so they're going to get about $10 billion a year, the NFL. So $10 billion a year. Now, remember, with now the vaccine is starting to make the rounds in different parts of the country. And, you know, they saw they tried to sneak some fans into some games at the end of last year. It's safe to assume there's going to be a good number of fans at NFL games next year. Right. So 10 billion a year. Fans will be coming back to a larger capacity than obviously last year. The advertising is going to be the same. And the corporate sponsorships are still going to be the same. So $10 billion a year, which I think somebody did the math. I forget who did the math. I think it's going to be like $40 million a game for the NFL. 40 M's a game. But there's no way players could get guaranteed contracts, though. That's impossible. They can make $10 billion a year, the league. $10 billion a year just from TV. They're going to get fan revenue back, so that's revenue sharing. They're still going to have the advertising and corporate sponsorship dollars. All of that is going into the owners and the league as a whole. But the actual players, 
No way they can get guaranteed contracts. No fucking way. No way can they get guaranteed contracts. $10 billion a year? And we still got to have plays with Monopoly money? That funny money? And, bruh, you know when that CBA is up? The next time the NFL players can get that CBA? 2030. Are you fucking kidding me? Who signed off on that deal? I mean, who's the point fraud of the NFLPA? Who is it? Smoke him out. I need to know who that is. Because how do you agree to such a long-term deal when you know the TV contracts are up? That's bad business. But it's great business if you're Demore Smith. Because the job is to keep the peace. His job is to keep the peace and do the most you can for your players. In his mind, he probably thinks he's done the job. He's locked them into a what he thinks is a good deal for the next eight to nine seasons. Meanwhile, the owners, I mean, that's why Jerry didn't mind giving Dak that bag because he know he got 10 billy coming. <laughs> Jerry don't mind. How much money you want? A hundred and something? All right, cool. I mean, I got a hundred times than that coming in a little bit, but all right, cool. You can take these little trunkets. You can take these little crumbs. I got the entree. The six, seven course is coming. I don't know, man. It's 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 embarrassing. I feel for football players. I really do. And I, I feel for those who feel as though as much as people like to make fun of NBA contracts, although no one makes light of MLB contracts, which are even better, but everyone likes to make fun of NBA contracts and how, you know, guys like Luke Kennard can get a bag. I'd rather be in a sport where Luke Kennard could get a bag than the sport where, you know, I get a bunch of funny money and very little guaranteed. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all always for checking out the content. Going to get some more interviews in the mix. I've been talking to some people and trying to orchestrate different topics, different subjects, but still centered around the world of sports and different types of conversations and things of that nature. Got some really good feedback on um, the last few episodes that I've been putting out. So I'm glad you guys are liking the rebrand. I'm glad you guys are liking the expansion of the topics. Uh, always appreciate that feedback. So you're going to get some more bonus content. Going to throw up a little piece I did with Greg Larnard a few weeks ago. I was still working on getting him on here. We, I had him on technically, but some recording issues got in the way. Technology stepped in and fucked that up. So we're going to try to re- redo that again and hopefully get that out to y'all real soon. So uh, check for that. But I had a conversation about the MVP race, something I mentioned earlier in the pod with the whole Donovan Mitchell thing. So it was a good spirited back and forth with me and him talking about that. So that'll be the bonus content for this week. I'll be on the road next week, but I'm bringing the equipment with me so you will not miss an episode. I'm still going to be podding. That's how dedicated I am to the craft. So hit up that YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to that. Season two of Trash Narratives is coming. It is in production. Um, got some really interesting, I think, trash narratives for y'all this year. If y'all have any trash narratives, the DMs are open. Pause. You know what to do. Anyway, I'll holler at y'all next week. The CMD Podcast. I'm out. I'm out.